Well, hello and Happy New Year. I'm Craig Hemingway and this is the Notorious Jawcast, the official podcast slash videocast from the city of Moose Jaw, Canada's most notorious city. Recording this on January 19th and I realize we could be right on the edge of when it's appropriate or rather now inappropriate to say Happy New Year. But, you know, when you're from Canada's most notorious city, that's what you get. A bunch of people who live on the edge and, and don't always fall in line with societal norms. So we're saying Happy New Year on January 19th and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, at any rate, thank you for joining us. Some big things ahead, including a big decision by our city council near the end of 2021, the adoption of a climate action plan. We'll get the full lowdown a little bit later on, and we're going to meet another Moose Javian giving our city some notoriety outside of our borders. Nick Myers, a.k.a. Leroy, in front of the camera. One half of the social media sensation Leroy and Leroy will hop on the chat to talk about their success, how the city of Moose Jaw played a role in getting them going, and what's next. But before we get there, a couple of things. Uh, first, some really good news from 2021. We had the fifth highest building permit value ever recorded in the city of Moose Jaw last year. Over $66.7 million worth of permits were issued, and you can check out all the details on that right now in the news section of moosejaw.ca. And as we record this on January 19th, the Thunderbird Viaduct is closed for catcher beam replacement. What is catcher beam replacement? Why is it needed? And what are the long-term plans to rehabilitate the historical structure? Let's find out now with our Director of Engineering Services, Bevan Harleton. And Bevan, thanks for setting aside some time for us. Hi, Craig. Nice to see you. Let's talk about the work that's going on right now as we record this on January 18th. Uh, catcher beam replacement. Uh, tell us, Bevan, what is a catcher beam and why is it needed on the Thunderbird Viaduct? So catcher beam is a way of bracing a bridge uh, in event of some components of that bridge failing and, and uh, basically is a backup span uh, in event of this uh, joint failing. And so the joint that this that Thunderbird has is it's called a half joint where where a portion of one span actually rests on another span. So it's not a an irregular uh, methodology from 50 years ago, but it's not something that's practiced now. Um, and basically the the risk that that leaves um, things at is there's no redundancy. So if something were to happen within that that half joint section, there's no um, there's no ability for that bridge to support it through other means. So a catcher beam will come up and and it's essentially it's it's a it's a wooden structure. And then with that that catcher beam project, which is which is now uh, in the works um, right now. Um, is some deck testing. So we'll close that bridge up, uh, make some cuts up top on the deck to get a better understanding of how the the condition of the concrete and the rebar that's running in the concrete. So the two scopes of work that are happening right now is is uh, installing this catcher beam and then getting some more information uh, on the deck. And the, the, the deck uh, exploration piece uh, ties into something that residents may remember from almost two years ago now when uh, we, we, we did close the bridge again for a time to get a, a complete assessment. Uh, and we went around and talked with some of the local uh, business owners and residents about future rehabilitation of the Thunderbird Viaduct, a complete rehab of the, of the structure, uh, which is no small thing. Uh, and, and would come at a, a fair cost. And, and maybe we'll just uh, recap people on where that sits, because certainly in this past budget, 
uh, back in December, council did approve uh, to set aside $1.1 million for the future rehabilitation of this bridge. And of course, the final bill will be, you know, uh, higher than that, certainly. But uh, maybe we can just uh, catch up residents on where we're at in terms of plans and, and what the future may look like. Sure. Yeah. And it's interesting. It has been coming up two years from from concept um, stakeholder engagement, preliminary design, and now as we're moving into detailed design. Um, and a very involved process uh, for, like you said, a major, major project. So, so our detailed design right now is at around the 90% threshold, um, meaning the, uh, the intent um, of the rehab is well-defined, um, going through some final touches on what's required to take that from 90% to 100%. So like you mentioned, it's a full rehab from north to south. Um, up on the deck, what what's, uh, what's happening structurally is removing that asphalt, grinding down, peeling off that old layer of concrete, um, putting in some additional reinforcement uh, mesh and rebar, and putting down a high, a high strength concrete which will also serve as the driving surface. It's interesting to think about asphalt, you know, and how that's the thing we're driving on, but really that's just a that's just a malleable layer that that rests on whatever it may be, whether it's the road or a bridge. So by removing that asphalt, we are removing that dead load and replacing it with something that can have structure. On the on the you know transportation side and and pedestrian traffic side we're putting up a shared use shared use path so that will have a barrier separating um pedestrians and bicycles from the two lanes of traffic so both of right now we've got sidewalks on two sides with a a solid curb face and then they're right adjacent to the road so this shared use path which is a nice word for a, a sidewalk will be separated by a barrier and it should be about three meters wide. So offer a lot of lanes or a lot of room for two lanes of traffic bicyclers. And change for the bridge and that'll be a big change for for the use of that bridge as well. Um, another component is all the structural upgrades and lighting. And then a, a very big piece on this bridge is the heritage. Um, aspect bridge. and it's been a big part of our work too. We had a heritage uh, um, a heritage report completed we've had discussions with the heritage advisory heritage advisory committee and um rehabbing those balustrades is just a really important piece uh visually this is a, a beautiful bridge beautiful structure and and that's something that we're not letting fall to the wayside so um really uh just a very involved scope structural um, driving and how how that bridge behaves with vehicles um, and how it serves pedestrian and bicycle traffic, and then just bringing this bridge up to a, you know, beautiful current condition. Yeah, and certainly a lot of what you just described uh, came through that stakeholder engagement with residents and, and user groups and businesses in terms of the things they uh, or would hope to see uh, in any re redesign or rehab of, of that uh, Thunderbird Viaduct. So uh, I guess the next question is, as you mentioned, you're in doing detailed design. Uh, what is then the timeline for getting that done and then, you know, um, attaching a final price tag and then, you know, uh, trying to, to get it funded and built or, or, mm -hmm. or completed? Mm -hmm. So we'll be able to take this drawing package and these construction specifications and, and move them from 90% to what we call tender ready in the coming months. 
in the coming few months, you know, sooner than later. And that is the best way to advocate and secure for funding is, is having shovel ready projects. You're able to show that we've done the work and we're ready to go. Um, so there's all sorts of, you know, discussion points and strategies and, and methodologies for, for seeking and getting funding. But the best way to do that is to have tender ready drawings and, and show that you're ready to go. Um, we had approved from council for this year for the first installment of of uh, construction costs, but uh, you know we're looking at a somewhere from you know sixteen to twenty million dollars to get this bridge done. So what we've been given approval for from council is is um, whatever word you want to choose a slotted or or segmented five-year period to accrue funds to pay for this bridge. Thanks again, Bevan. And the catcher beam replacement is expected to be complete and the Thunderbird Viaduct reopened by January 29th, weather permitting. Still on the way, a chat with Leroy in front of the camera from Moose Jaw's notorious TikTok duo, Leroy and Leroy. But right now, a duo from the city of Moose Jaw to hop on camera and outline the city's climate action plan, the latest climate action initiative from the city. You might recall last year the city announced a solar panel project to get panels installed on city facilities. An installation of those is just getting underway starting at Yara Centre. Then during 2022 budget deliberations in December, our council approved an ambitious climate action plan with several measurable targets to increase efficiency, decrease emissions and decrease operating costs. To explain, we're now joined by city manager Jim Pufault and our director of parks and recreation, Derek Blay. Gentlemen, thanks for joining the Jawcast. Thanks, Craig. Pleasure as always. Uh, and Jim, maybe I'll, I'll start with you and, and just describe why this uh, was so important for the city to, to get underway. Well, certainly the science and the data indicates that climate change is happening. And we have to be able to do something. And so we can't affect the world, but we can affect our city and we can do things to reduce our carbon footprint. Um, and so it's certainly is the right thing to do to, to ensure that we're doing our part to ensure climate and that the world is here for our youth or for our kids and grandkids and everybody else. And secondly, with the emphasis uh, from the federal government on carbon and the grants that are coming available, we're finding that we can do this in a practical way uh, that we can actually save costs and save money on this as a project. So, you know, we're doing it for three reasons. One, it's the right thing to do. Second, we can be practical and, and it's feasible to do so with great repayment terms. And third, it's the right thing to do. So we're very excited that, uh, you know, we started the process with a solar solar panel grant from the federal government. And now we move to the climate action plan because again, we can't piecemeal this together. Uh, considering what the science is showing us in the world, we have to take steps and we have to do what we can. And uh, we're very glad that we're able to move forward. We're you know, thrilled that city council agreed that a climate action plan is important. When we had talked to at strategic planning almost a year ago now, that was one of the most important things that we talked about doing. You know, obviously economic de development is huge and this is a new market that is being developing in North America for sure. But it's also uh, an opportunity to 
affect change in our community to lead the way in, in the country because there's not a whole lot of cities that are doing anything there's lots of talk about things but not you know concrete action plans that are actually going to see us reduce our emissions and so we're very excited about that uh, Derek Blay has just been doing a tremendous amount of work on finding ways to make this happen and so gladly pass on to him because I mean he's been leading the the charge on the technical side for sure yeah, absolutely. And, and Derek, yeah, to you, uh, you know, following up, following up on Jim's comments, Parks and Recreation, as part of that, you look after uh, city facilities. And, you know, a big component of this is just, you know, finding uh, efficiencies and ways to run our facilities more efficiently and, and cost effectively. And, and then, of course, the bigger picture uh, with the environment. So from your perspective, can you talk about uh, uh, what this means and, and how we're going to start to see it implemented? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, the, the obvious environmental impacts on it is something that uh, we're striving to get out of uh, out of the plan. But um, also just the day to day users, the, the opportunity to reduce our utility consumption and our overall utility costs is going to have an effect on the users when it comes to our rates and fees and different things like that. So it's a lot of benefits there. And as Jim alluded to, the the funding programs that are out there right now with the government, uh, the federal government, provincial government, I think there's an opportunity by having our plan adopted and having some set targets for our corporate emissions here over the next uh, five years and over the next 10 years um, really gives us that that plan that we can submit and say, you know what, we're serious about this and uh, we want to be able to contribute to the change. And um, with that, hopefully comes some grant dollars to to take care of uh, some things that we're going to have to do anyway. We have boilers that need to be replaced on a regular replacement schedule. We have roofs, we have different things. And a lot of these funding programs provide that funding, those types of funding opportunities to help contribute to those costs, which again helps the, the ratepayer in Moose Trout and helps the users of, uh, of our facilities. And we've contracted a Greenwave Technologies to, to take us through this process. So uh, what's the first couple of steps, Derek, that we're going to see with this plan? Yeah, so now that the plan's been adopted and endorsed by City Council, we're moving into uh, installing sub-monitoring solutions where we're going to be able to get some detailed uh, analysis of, of usage for all our major utilities. So for electricity, for natural gas, for water, um, we'll be able to pinpoint areas within facilities that we uh, may be... Uh, opportunities i guess to be more efficient um whether it's a, a pump running when it shouldn't be or a fan or anything like that we'll be able to find those those quick wins and those quick efficiencies to reduce our initial but it'll also be able to to really help us in our long-term planning um which is key for us in, in determining um the effectiveness of any imp uh, of any projects that we implement but also helping us determine and prioritize future projects um knowing how much uh we are how many emissions we are able to reduce and how much of our consumption we are able to reduce which helps us prioritize our projects moving forward so um yeah we're working hard to get the sub monitoring in place here over the next five six months and then we'll start seeing some of the some of the quick wins and some of the early results of the reductions from there yeah and as things come on board if i understand this right our residents will be able to actually see uh, how this uh, is all working correct at our facilities we're going to have some um well, you describe what we're going to see. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know there's a, there's a huge public engagement uh, portion to this and, and platform that's going to help us with our progress reporting. Um, so as we get the sub-monitoring installed and start to see these efficiencies uh, within our rec facilities right now, we do have some screens, which we do some advertising, but we're also going to be able to run some screens on, on how effective the program has been to date and how we're, we're doing it. Um, 
how how we measure up, I guess, in real in regards to our goals. Um, so how close we are to achieving our goals and how we're doing at each individual facility. So um, a big part of this is going to be the data and being able to track that uh, and really help measure the success of the program. And Jim, I have to think, you know, another uh, key piece of this is, you know, as people look to uh, move to other locales, um, people who might be identifying Moose Jaw as a place to either set up a business or even just want to move here, um, many people are, are interested to find out, well, what are you doing? Is this, a, is this going to be a green city? What initiatives are in place? Uh, because that's important to many people. So this, I would have to think, uh, certainly helps along those lines. Well, certainly, again, you know, there's so many benefits from having a, a climate action plan that is effective and, and affecting change. Uh, and that's, you know, certainly one of them. We have taken a number of steps already as we worked our way towards it. And we're looking at the science and seeing what we can do already. For example, the solar uh, panel program is starting this year. That's a very effective example of what we're trying to accomplish. There's tremendous cost savings on our power bills. Um, and with the federal grant, federal and provincial funding that comes along with that, we have a repayment in about five years. So uh, five to six years, uh, we will see the cost being reduced. And we're already seeing that quite honestly in our budget this year is that costs are being reduced because we have the solar panel program starting. Uh, the blowers in our sewage uh, treatment plant, our wastewater treatment plant is another one we've just replaced. And we've gone to high efficiency, variable speed drives on all those motors as, as Mr. Blade talked about. Because again, it's when the the old style technology is the motors were on or off, there was no nothing of ramping up and ramping down. And so there's tremendous savings there already. And so we're very confident that we'll fit we'll hit our targets. And as we work towards those targets, we'll work towards a net zero by 2050. So there's lots of work to be done in this, this is a never-ending uh, project and science is changing so rapidly that there's tremendous opportunities out there. And so with a climate action plan, with our philosophy that we want to be ready and we're going to take advantage of those opportunities, we'll be there and we'll help lead the lead the country in, in how a city can make a difference on their own. I mean, if all of the cities are doing the same thing as we're doing, then we can make a difference in the country. City Manager Jim Pufalt, Director of Parks and Recreation, Derek Blay on the Climate Action Plan. Have we missed anything? The only thing, I, other thing I would add is the new technology and the new economy is moving away from non-renewable. So, I mean, we're on the leading edge by, by taking these steps now. Yeah, just on the leadership thing, I think our our approach is to, to be a kind of a lead by example approach within our community, showing that we're taking this seriously and and providing a framework for others, anyone who else who has any any large buildings or anything like that will be able to provide that framework for them moving forward. And we've also um, speaking to the leadership side of things. So I've been contacted by other cities now that uh, have seen this in the news and that have seen that we're moving forward with it and are interested in, in doing something similar. So um, I think um, the leadership that the city of Musha has taken in this is, is going to have a huge benefit. Our thanks again to City Manager Jim Pufalt and Director of Parks and Recreation Derek Blay. I'm Craig Hemingway. Thank you for reviewing and or listening to the Notorious Jawcast. And one thing we've recently added to the show is a chat with Notorious Moose Javians, people from our city that are giving Moose Jaw notoriety 
in a good way, outside of our borders. And if you pay any attention to social media, you likely have heard of Leroy and Leroy, a pair of Moose Javians who have found humor in everyday sites and turned it into hundreds of thousands of views on the social media platform TikTok, not to mention Instagram and Facebook. We caught up with Leroy in front of the camera, a.k.a. Nick Myers, to talk about the evolution of Leroy and Leroy and what lies ahead. Leroy! or rather Nick, as you're dressed today. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, so of course your day job is uh, you're doing program director and at uh, Golden West Radio and you're, of course, morning show host on uh, Mix 103. Um, how long have you been, it's been what, three, four years since you started dipping your toe in this whole Leroy and Leroy thing? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was November of, uh, October, November of 2017 we started. So uh, this fall will be five years, but uh, it, it didn't really, you know, it was just something fun we were doing. And uh, and then last year between Christmas and New Year's, I uh, started uploading a few of our things to TikTok and uh, we thought, well, let's let's give this TikTok thing a try. And that's when, when it kind of went crazy for us a little bit. I find that really interesting because you're right. You started and it was, you know, maybe a bit more longer form and it was on Facebook um, and going, okay. You were, you know, getting some traction. People were noticing what you guys were doing and it was some fun stuff, but then it really just seemed that you were able to uh, shorten them and really capture, make some stuff that was perfect for that new format. As TikTok came on board, it was like the perfect type of content for that. Yeah. It, we stumbled into it. It was uh, mid January last year. And uh, people who watched our old ones will know that there were two Leroy's in front of the camera. Uh, and, and our buddy moved to Regina and that, uh, that Regina to Moose Jaw distance really made it hard to, for some reason, made it hard to all get together. So middle of January last year, we said, well, let's, uh, let's just do some videos. We, so we sent the invite out to him if he wanted to come, but he couldn't make it. So we said, let's, uh, let's try and record a video a day and, uh, and let's see if we can get to 10,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, before the end of uh, of 2021, and uh, that took all of about uh, three or four weeks to hit, I think, and then and then it just kind of jumped up from there. So, yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. It was crazy how it took off, and uh, it's it's funny because the uh, the first video I think on TikTok that really kind of launched for us uh, was one we kind of just stumbled across. We were we were on our way to film something in the library. It was actually me riding my bike through the library. Uh, uh, which was a fun video that we did. But as we were on our way there, we noticed the, uh, the no parking signs, the uh, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., Monday to Thursday or something like that, Tuesday to Thursday on uh, outside of Crescent Park. So uh, Leroy behind the camera, who is also Nick, uh, Nick Lamb, said, uh, hey, that's really weird. Let's do a video about it. And at the time I thought, okay, sure. Um, so we, we filmed a video, and that's the kind of the first one that all of a sudden got over a hundred thousand views for us. And we're like, Oh, there's something to this. <laughs> well, yes. And if the city of Moose Jaw can take any credit, it's, it's for having some of these signs that probably made sense to, to be put up whenever they were put up and then maybe have outlived their, their usefulness. And certainly, um, there was no shortage of them. <laughs> no, no. And that, that sign was funny too, because it was, I think a week later, uh, that they were taken down because one of our city councilors was was off to a city planning meeting the day we put the video out, and she got a really big laugh out of it. And so she she showed it to uh, people at city hall there, and then said, "Why are those signs there?" 
and nobody knew uh, because, like you said, it was one of those signs that was put up at some point and it made sense when they were put up, but they just hadn't been taken down. So they were all down, uh, which uh, made us sad a little bit because we thought that was that was uh, could have been part of a Leroy and Leroy tour. But <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, that but that, you know, the, the ongoing, you're able to recognize that, well, geez, now not only if, if there's signs like this in Moose Jaw, there's going to be signs like this all over the place, right? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent signs and, and roadside attractions off, <laughs> off of our uh, love of Mac, the moose and people, uh, people love like our moose moose crossing sign actually in downtown moose. Jaw was a great video for us. People love that one as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, people started sending us uh, pictures of their signs and stuff from uh, across Canada and, uh, and so we started kind of touring around a little bit. We, we did an Alberta road trip to start and that, uh, really spiked things for us. And then we, uh, went out to Winnipeg and did some stuff there. And then we went out to, uh, to Ontario and it was funny. One of our most viewed, uh, most viewed videos we did out in Ontario, we went to see a sign that was called punky doodles corner. It was just, is just a strange name for this, this corner. And when we got there, the sign was gone. And apparently every time they put this sign up it gets stolen again. Uh, so we did the video of the sign not being there and that wound up being one of our most watched ones from out there. And we had someone send us a replica of the sign in the mail. So yeah, it's, it's been great. Well, no, and, and, and that's awesome. That clearly it strikes a chord with those people there who know, have seen the sign and know what it's all about and, and, and get it right. And that's clearly a, a key is you're just, you're, you, you found you're touching those nerves of people that from those places, Hey, they're talking, yeah, we know all about this and it's cool that these guys are now, or this guy is, is now uh, showcasing this stuff uh, to people on, on uh, TikTok and, and other platforms too. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. Our I think our most viewed video of the last year we had, I think we posted it twice because we posted like a best of at the end of the year, and I think between the two it's got about six million views, and it was just of a men working sign in downtown Moose Jaw. <laughs> I said women don't need signs because they're always working, and that was really popular. <laughs> we blew up. Uh, glad we could help again. Um, so, so it's gone now. You took it from, uh, just the videos and before Christmas, you launched a book. So tell us about how that came to be and, and how that's going. Yeah. So when our, when our videos started taking off, we found out that, uh, elementary school teachers were playing our videos for their classrooms at like lunchtime and stuff. So we said, okay, our, our guideline will be that we won't record anything unless a teacher could play it in her classroom. And off of that, we said, well, it'd be kind of fun to write a book. So I, uh, I spent an afternoon and wrote the children's book, wrote the story out. And then it was, uh, <coughs> pardon me. It was, uh, Leroy behind the camera, Nick Lamb's mom, Pat Lamb, who took it and painted, uh, illustrated our whole book for us. And then, uh, Nick got it all uploaded and, uh, ready to go, which was, uh, it was pretty cool to see it come to life. I have a copy of, of your own book in your hands. So. No, that's tremendous. So, so, uh, where do you go next with, uh, Leroy and Leroy? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> we're, uh, we're just kind of launching into, uh, into this new year with some kind of plans and goals. We want to still expand across Canada. We haven't got into Quebec, uh, the Maritimes, BC. We'd like to hit all those places at some point. And, uh, we want to do more stuff right around here as well. Uh, we've got, uh, we also want to kind of expand our stuff onto YouTube. We have a, a YouTube channel, which has been growing, but it's a lot harder to grow YouTube than it is TikTok. So 
uh, we're, we're doing some more longer form stuff for that. And we did, uh, actually just did a video with, uh, with our friend, uh, Rusty Dean, uh, as people know her from Moose Jaw, a guide to figure skating that we'll have coming out soon. So another, another Moose Jaw connection on that one, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're kind of taking it, uh, day by day. If, uh, if the weather warms up, then we'll <laughs> start getting out doing some more stuff. Well, yeah, this is the perfect time to start thinking of the things you're going to do when, uh, when the weather does warm up again, for sure. Yeah, 100% planning time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, listen, uh, Nick Myers, Leroy in front of the camera. Uh, congratulations to you and, and the other Nick and the other Leroy, uh, on uh, your success. And, and thanks for putting the city of Moose Jaw on the map. Oh, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on Craig. We're, uh, both of us are so proud Moose Javians. We love getting to tell people we're from Moose Jaw and having, uh, having Mac the Moose stuff. And we might have, we might come up with some stuff around Mac the Moose in the new year too, but we'll, we'll put that in the back shelf for now. Okay. Well, we'll uh, look forward to seeing it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Greg. All the best to Leroy and Leroy. Our thanks again to Nick Myers, as well as City Manager Jim Pufalt, Director of Parks and Recreation Derek Blay, and Director of Engineering Bevan Harlton, all for being guests on this edition of the Notorious Jawcast. And if you have in mind a Notorious Moose Javian you think should be featured on the Jawcast, let us know. Send me a note. C. Hemingway at moosejaw.ca.